Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll provide you with guests and information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. So now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. First, I want to tell you that my guest today is producer-director Uwe Boll. He's going to be joining us in just a few moments. And I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in, the people in the chat room, because the chat room is open uh, for being with us today, and all the readers of the blog. There are new articles on the website and uh, new information and new interviews happening all of the time. So you can uh, subscribe to the official Rex Sykes Movie Beat website by clicking on the RSS feed at the welcome page, and you're always going to be updated to new uh, things on the website. And most importantly, all of these interviews, those 200-some hours of interviews, are stored right there at the interviews blog, likes.com. So please go ahead and, uh, and check us out right there. Now, do not pay attention. It says it right there at the interviews page. Don't pay attention to the date uh, at, the, at the top of the blog, uh, each individual blog. That's the creation date. It has nothing to do with when the shows air. The show's air date is actually inside the biography page of the guest whom you want to listen to. So you click on interviews, go to the archives, which is down at the bottom, open those pages up, and click on the guest that you want to listen to. Inside will be the live link and the archive link. All these interviews, by the way, are also stored. They're available as podcasts from the iTunes store, and you're going to want to have those available 24-7 whenever and wherever you go on your favorite electronic device. So uh, be sure to uh, join us there. Movie Beat is really designed to be a resource for you. That's why I'm connecting you up with professional filmmakers who are making it happen. And what you can do in return for getting this secret insider information, that nuts and bolts, the how-tos, uh, the reveals. We pull back the veil on the movie-making business and, and expose its working so that you can make your uh, project smarter, faster, easier, less expensively, so you don't have to reinvent the wheel but stand on the shoulders of giants who've gone before us, um, uh, is to retweet about it. Just tweet uh, when you see the show coming up. Tweet about it while it's live, while you're listening to it. Let other people know that it's going on. Tweet about it after the fact that you enjoyed the interview. Um, that helps so much. Put it on your Facebook wall. Share it. Email somebody. Grab someone right now that's sitting around you you know, at a coffee shop. Go, come on over here and listen to this. Or, or pick up the phone and call a friend. <clears throat> or an industry connection, and say, hey, tune into these Rex Eggs Movie Beat interviews. Uh, there's great filmmakers, experts who are sharing their expertise for us, all for free. And uh, leave comments at the uh, website right there where you're listening live or archived. Go ahead, leave comments, not just in the chat room, but where it says comments, because that's another way to entice people who stumble across the show. Um, excuse me, uh, to listen in. Same thing with the podcast. Please go ahead and rate and review the podcast because that always helps. All right, without any further ado, I'm going to bring on my guest, my friend, Uwe Boll. He's been here before. He's back, 
and uh, he's quite prolific in uh, his ability to uh, make movies and get movies made. Uva, how are you today? Uh, good. I'm a little tired because <laughs> I'm in Vancouver and it's it's early here and I had a hot night behind me here right now. Well, I sure appreciate you um, uh, being here and uh, chatting with us. I, I know you had a rest night, so. <laughs> <laughs> but it was yeah, pleasantly so. Uh, family, family. Yeah. But, um, exactly. But, uh, I was not partying. It's uh, a baby in the house, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very cool. So, um, Uva, uh, well, how have you been? And uh, it's been a while since we chatted live on the air, and uh, I'd like to kind of catch people up with uh, uh, what's going on with you. You're now in, in Vancouver as opposed to Germany. Oh, by the way, I want to say um, uh, that you have best wishes from Germany and that uh, Movie Angel, somebody from uh, that area is listening in right now, and she said she's not far from where you studied. Um, now, I, I'm no good at German. It's, it looks like Siegen, Siegen. Feigen means the show. And then it's like, says, it, it's like Willy Grubel. Grubel? <laughs> my I have no <laughs> idea. My pronunciation may be way, way better. It looks like it's G-R-U-B-E-L, or maybe it's G-R-U-B-E with an exclamation mark. I can't quite say. But anyway, the best wishes <laughs> from, uh, from your home country. Ah, cool. Cool. Maybe you sent me the... Uh, the thing per email, then I can and actually translate it, whatever, whatever. She yeah, brought. here I'll do that. Yeah. I'll, I'll send it. I'll copy it off of the Twitter and uh, and email it to you right now, and you can you can see it uh, at some point. Um, all right. So I was asking you if um, uh, it says no city is Seigen Rex is what she says in the or Seigen in the thing. Anyway, I will I will still send it to you. I, I apologize for um, you know doing a, a horrible job with the German. <laughs> so, um, all right, Anna, it is now emailed to you. Uh, so, uh, I was asking that uh, we we get caught up. You you are always busy. You are either writing or producing or directing or fundraising or or working on distribution or something. So, um, uh, maybe you can catch us up from the. La I don't know even when the last time we spoke was, but uh, on air. But uh, what's new? Oh, it's a, a lot of things are new. I uh, was uh, the beginning of the year. I was in um, Croatia, and I basically uh, shot three movies <laughs> in a, in a row, or I combined all three. Uh, Blood Rain, uh, the Third Reich, uh, where finally Blood Rain fights against uh, Nazis and Nazi vampires, and uh, this is basically what the what the video game was from the beginning on. In, in the Blood Rain video game, she she fights against Nazis and uh -huh. um, so and I used the setup uh, for two more movies uh, um, as you know with with Dafur and other movies like this uh, I'm I'm also very interested like in in uh, social or politic uh, uh, subject matters so and because we had the full setup I shot also a documentary style Auschwitz movie about uh, the Holocaust basically uh, wow. because we had a concentration camp we had the we had the trains and everything, and uh, I felt, and I had that movie a long time in in, in development or planning to do something like this, uh, but I could never finance it, and, and nobody would finance a movie like uh, like this uh, to basically um, show Auschwitz uh, what it was. It was like a, a, a death camp, and 50% and, uh, of the people who came to Auschwitz 
uh, were killed in the first day they arrived. Mm. And so, and, and, and I recognize when, when you see all the movies, put all the movies together about the Holocaust, every movie what was ever made, like feature movie, it's, it's all about uh, what they, um, yeah, the, the, the heroes or the people that tried to kill Hitler or the people they escaped from Auschwitz. But what is with all the people they, they didn't escape? What is with all the people they actually died? Uh, the majority, and, and uh, I made that movie to uh, basically uh, remember this, like so that that people are not forgetting uh, um, what what the genocide really uh, really was, and and uh, it's kind of a um, yeah a little a little more or a little deeper. I go into it uh, after the Dafur movie, where where we over. See uh, a genocide uh, right now, the last few years, and uh, so the, the question is how much we really learned from history with a movie like this. Yeah, I mean that is that is amazing. Do, do you have? I mean, do you do you um, offer an opinion on on that very uh, point? Yeah, what what I uh, I got like where I put the first the first uh, teaser out, I got like super harsh criticized because I show also uh, in the gas chamber uh, scenes where people dying in the gas chamber and and the people didn't get my some people uh, criticizing me they didn't get my concept and uh, I uh, we are right now here in the post production of it we talked to the uh, yesterday to the sound designer and so the movie uh, starts with interviews with German school kids from today. And it's actually amazing to see how uh, how less they know. And because Germany, to the outside, they, they always say uh, this is like a really duty in, in school to learn about uh, to learn about Auschwitz and to learn about the Holocaust and Hitler and so on. And I went in various schools and not in the elite gymnasiums where the government would normally uh, recruit their. Uh, uh, recruit their, their uh, uh, interview partners. Yeah, <laughs> if you make a movie. Uh -huh. No, I talk to the normal kids, and and it's amazing how less they know. Like like that they don't know a lot about it. And and this in right. Germany. So you can imagine uh, how uh, how it is in other countries. And uh, and then I show then the fictional part starts, and I show a typical day in Auschwitz. So where you have basically a train comes in, the people getting selected. Uh, who, who dies right now and who, who can work. And uh, then uh, we see all this. Basically, we follow for almost an hour somebody who comes from the train into he is ashes. So, and, okay. and, and th this is, of course, one of the most maybe shocking movies ever made. But uh, I think it's also important. Then, uh, because if you only physically see it, and with the, with the feature, like with my, let's say, horror experience I have as a director and experience yeah. in, in, in doing violent scenes, uh, I can do this maybe better as a drama director uh, to actually show what, uh, what, what, what really happened. Yeah? So, uh, for, like, photorealistic. And, and, uh, and I think it's important that this movie uh, got made. And, of course, it will... Uh, have like a lot of discussions and, and uh, that should we show that or should we not show it but I think uh, uh, it's good that we show that and the funny but, thing is I got very very bad feedback from Germany <laughs> for the first teaser but I got, got very good feedback from Israel 
So uh, uh, I had two big articles already. One is in, in the Jewish Times, and uh, they both were very supportive that I did that. Yeah. So uh, and, and this makes me in a way happy uh, because uh, I of course want that uh, and I need support, uh, especially from Israel for a movie like this that they say yes, it is allowed to show that because we don't want that somebody ever forgets it. So and and uh, from this point of view, I'm happy that uh, uh, that I did the movie. Well, very very uh, very cool. And there's kudos coming from the chat room uh, regarding this. And you know, it's interesting, Uva. I I share you know your namesake uh, with a, a, another friend from Germany, a friend of mine, Uva, who I've known for uh, I guess since the '80s, and. Um, and he just came for the first time in 20 years to visit me this past summer. And oftentimes our conversation will will turn to something like this. Um, just, be, I mean, he works in the international in politics and in, uh, in other countries right now. And he, he's he's a big proponent of you know Germany should not forget what they uh, what some people were responsible for back you know 60 years ago. It needs to be kept alive in order for people for it to never happen again anywhere in the world. And yeah. uh, and, and so. You know, your point is well taken. I, I, I'm sorry I only have, you know, that limited experience, but this conversation did come up, you know, not that long ago with a good friend of mine who, who's home, you know, he is from Germany. So, uh, you know, again, kudos to you. It does, it's, it's an important, a very important um Topic and uh, and and with your work with the fur, uh, you know, we can only hope that, that the, uh, and I don't want to pontificate too much here, but we can only hope that movies like yours will raise that awareness so that we can someday hope that more and more of this stuff occurs less and less. Exactly. That's a good point. So, yeah. 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 Uh, so, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so how do you, let, you know, you're in Vancouver right now. Um, yeah. You, you shot the movie in Germany. Are, are you doing your post in Vancouver? Is that? Yeah. Yeah, we we uh, we edited uh, uh, Auschwitz in Germany because it's in in German language and it will be uh -huh. subtitled, but the rest we we did here. And um, <laughs> I, I forgot to mention the third movie uh, <laughs> what I shot, and this is Blue Barella, uh, what is right now in the <laughs> what is right now in the internet also. Uh, uh, and and because I had always that idea, what would be if we make a, a blood rain version. Uh, with a fat blood rain, and <laughs> <laughs> so as a, as a comedy, and uh, I uh, in, in the first two parts I I didn't follow that, <laughs> but uh, then I met uh, Lindsay Hollister. She plays in my postal movie, and uh -huh. she said, "My name is Earl," and and um, that Steve Carell, oh. uh, James Bond movie where she was uh, the bigger girl. He's dancing with on the dance floor. And uh -huh. she really uh, convinced me to do it and, and, and wrote the whole Blood Rain script in funny. And I said, okay, uh, we, we, will, we have to explain every other actor in the movie, like Michael Paré, Clint Howard, that uh, we will do the normal Blood Rain version, but then we will do also the, the funny version with the fat Blood Rain. And, uh, and we did that. 
and um, the movie will come out after Blood Rain uh, 3 comes out. But uh, I, first of all, we had a blast doing it because it's so absolutely absurd, you know, to have uh, like a 150 kilo Blood Rain. She almost cannot move, but she has the same dress on and swords and everything. And Lindsay convinced me because she said it's not insulting uh, uh, for the for the fat people. It's the opposite. She said like. Um, Nobody makes movies for like overweighted people. This is one of the reasons she thinks Precious was a success because uh-huh. uh, 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 because there are, it's not a lot of like representation of of this kind of uh, people basically basically and and overweighted are is almost every second person on earth. I'm even overweighted, not so much like 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 uh, uh, Lindsay, but uh, but she has. The, the courage also to to make fun out of herself and out of her like inabilities basically yeah? when she drops a sword she has huge problems to to bend down to pick it up yeah? like for two minutes the fight is over only because she she tries to get her her sword back from the ground so and and uh, we of course played that totally out in the movie and and uh, um, it I I think it's a, a very ridiculous kind of movie with postal humor in it uh, uh very uh, um, yeah makes fun out of out of everything so and um, at the same time i think it's absolutely uh, hilarious yeah where i uh, we locked the cart and we are in the sound mix now also and i said like uh, <laughs> i had to see it so many times and i said with the editor also i said uh, yeah uh, i think this movie has 45 minutes Really, really unbelievable, good, uh, good, great comedy, and 45 minutes—the <laughs> most disgusting stuff I ever saw in my whole life. <laughs> so it's so basically—I don't know what 45 minutes uh, the audience will pick as uh, what they think it's funny, but it's—it's uh, it's just <laughs> absurd. Yeah. So, but it's actually great because, uh, like. Uh, Clint Howard or, or, or uh, Michael Parade, they loved it to do the comedy part. And uh, uh, as you can imagine, like like a lot of times, they were only waiting that the, the serious shots are done so that they can do their their more improvisation stuff with the comedy part. So they had a total blast uh, doing it. Wow. Well, you know, uh, a couple of points. One is you're no stranger to controversy, obviously. In, in fact, I, I would guess that you even invite it because you know you you you're you're a critical thinker and outspoken in in what you do. You know that I loved Postal, and uh, and this sounds like a lot of fun for a movie. When I first moved to Milwaukee from Los Angeles, they had a traveling sideshow. Uh, recreation from the circus that show up at the lakefront and I went down and I and I got to know the freaks and the geeks and the sideshow performers and one of them it was interesting because the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel did a, an article and said how horrible this was that they were putting this fat person on display and these people and how sh- how shameful it was and they should you know this this kind of stuff should be ended and I got to talk to these people, and they all said, you know, this is how we make a living. We don't have a problem with it. The fat lady was like, what, are you nuts? This, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't have any issue with it. More, you know, you guys have issues with it, but I don't have any issues with it. I'm fat, you know, and and <laughs> and, and and I mean, it was amazing to hear these people, you know, say, this is, the, one, this is my livelihood. You're suggesting taking my livelihood away. You just don't understand us. You know, you don't, you're, you're an outsider looking in and you don't get it. 
So I suspect that you know you will see a lot of criticism over your movie, and and yet what you said about the actress saying, hey, you know, um, yeah. is 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 often you know, and I, and I'm sure that there will be also be fat people who will be offended and skinny people who will be, you know. So who knows? But um, I got a couple questions from the chat room. One is um, uh, about Michael Paré, who who I want to thank you for putting us in touch. He did an interview here. I, I enjoyed it very much. We're uh, talking with him. We're going to have him back sometime. But they want to know what and Clint Howard. I uh, I'm hoping to have back on, uh, hoping to have on the show. Um, but uh, someone wants to know uh, who does Michael Paré play in Blubberella. Sandy was. Uh, no, he he plays the same guy. Basically, he plays in in the Blood Rain, the Third Reich. He is the main evil uh, Nazi general, uh, and uh, he gets actually uh, turned into a vampire during the during the movie, and uh, takes over. And then he gets a threat for his own army because they built like a Nazi uh, vampire army. Uh, in the German army, and they start, of course, like biting everybody else. And uh, in uh, and Clint Howard plays uh, Doctor Mengele. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So he he is the crazy doctor who actually uh, wants uh, uh, blood rains blood uh, for Hitler to make him immortal. Yeah, so too, because then it would be, of course, like the, in real the thousand-year uh, Reich, uh, because Hitler wouldn't die as a as a dampfier, as a half-vampire, half-human. Yeah, and, and of course, in Blubberella, the funny thing is her blood has so much cholesterol <laughs> that, <laughs> that, when, that when Michael Paré gets it, he, he, he really grows fat. Like, and we have like a fat suit for him. So that 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 uh, uh, it was amazing. I think the scenes with him are amazing. When because uh, like the way he gets fatter and fatter, he he talks more like Marlon Brando. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he totally comes with an Italian Marlon Brando accent, and uh, uh, it, it, it is totally absurd. But I totally think, and, and you saw Postal with Michael Pere also in it. I think uh, he is a great comedian, but he never gets any comedian parts to play because they always hire him for this the cop or something, like the typical action movies, they, they're putting him in. But I, I think he, he is unbelievable funny. And, and in, uh, in Blood Rain, in Blubberella, he, he proves that again. You know, it, it, it is just completely, uh, he totally went off on that, on that part and, and totally enjoyed it and was smiling the whole day on, on set. Yeah. So, uh, and even Clint Howard said, like, I cannot believe, like, Michael Perret is, uh, he should be in Hangover, too. <laughs> well, you know, Michael said when, when we talked, he's, yeah, I, and I'm, you, forgive me, I don't recall, uh, in relation to the film, he said that, uh, you provided more of a, a skeleton and allowed them to improvise. Uh, and I don't know if it was which which of your recent movies you had him in that was, um, he said, mostly improvis- improvisation. But he, he applauded you. He said, you know, you had the courage to allow the actors to do this. And, uh, you know, it was great to be, uh, um, you know, working with you in that regard. And, and you know, he just demonstrated the mo- utmost respect towards you and and. Uh, your method of of working with actors, uh, which I think is really great. I mean, I, I think it's wonderful. I wish I could I could uh, off the top of my head say which movie it was. Um, when when he did the interview, when was that? Oh, you know, within the last two or three months. I I honestly don't know. Somebody in the chat room will probably provide me the link and let me know. Um, it was shortly after the time that you you put us in touch. And, yeah, then uh, then maybe. 
uh, it was uh, Blubberella, you know. But I, I, I do always like if I, like for example, Postal was completely written out, and Blood Rain Three, of course, also. Uh, but he may, he may have been regarded. Uh, J, uh, FX guy Bill, Bill says that, that it was probably Seed that you know that we were discussing. Yeah, Seed totally. Seed, we yeah. had only a treatment. And yeah. I wanted that that he uh, as as in the cop as a cop in seed, so he uh, had to totally like improvise his uh, the more emotional parts uh, he has, yeah, when when his daughter gets kidnapped and so on. And I think uh, some actors they really like this when the emotional stuff is uh, um, basically a little more free for them to really say what they feel in that moment. And if they're more like method acting as as uh, maybe normal. And, and I think in, in movies uh, with a lot of, uh, um, yeah, um, tension and, and uh, or based on reality and you, you really need real emotions in front of the camera, I think it's important to, to give the actors uh, the freedom and and uh, like Dafur, for example, also when uh, we shot with that original Sudanese uh, people, uh, they went through massacres, they went through rapes and everything. And now you have American actors like Billy Zane or Edward Forlong in in Darfur, and and they had to basically interact with the Sudanese people, but uh, with translators and so on. So you cannot write this down before. You don't know what they will answer. So th th this needs more prep from the side of the actors. They they have to read up about the subject matter they're doing. They have to get more involved in it uh, to be able not to play a journalist, like, to, for example, to be a journalist in the movie. And I think... Uh, for some kind of movies, uh, if it gets really, really drama, uh, I think it's good to do it this way. Well, very cool. Well, you know that, I mean, I was with you when I got to see Postal and Seed, and I loved them both, and they were obviously two very different movies, and uh, and I was not aware at the time, you know, of, of the improv structure, you know, when, when I saw Seed, and it makes me like it even that much more when I know now the the, the way in which that movie was approached. Um, we're going to have to take a break in a couple minutes. I'd just as soon do it right now and come back and be able to talk with you uninterrupted. Uh, so if you don't mind, I'm going to take a short break and we'll be okay. right back. All right. Perfect. Uh, you're, you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official website is rexsikes.com. That's my name. And today we're talking with director producer Uva Bull. And uh, we're going to be back in just a moment with Uva, but let me tell you that my next guest coming up is director Lance Cowis. He uh, works out of Michigan. He's directed uh, a number of features right there, and he's written numerous screenplays. You're going to want to listen to uh, Lance. Now, that is going to be the last Rex Sykes Movie Beat interview uh, during this time frame for a while. I'm off producing a feature and uh, it's going to take me about two months, and so I may hold uh, interviews on weekends when we're not shooting, uh, so maybe a Saturday or Sunday morning or sometime at another point in the day. Uh, but stay tuned, stay posted, watch Twitter, you know, and watch Rex Sykes Movie Beat, the, the website for updates and information about when uh, these interviews occur. Uh, let's see. Other than that, uh, coming up in the Milwaukee area, if you're in the listing area, uh, Friday, October 29th at the Milwaukee Art Museum. They are debuting, uh, premiering actually, a film that uh, I starred in called Port of Call. And uh, it's a multidimensional comedy and uh, made by a local Wisconsin filmmaker. So if you're around and you want to check that out, uh, it's at the Milwaukee Art Museum Friday, this Friday, the 29th of October. 
And um, and that's pretty much it. So uh, we're going to return now with uh, uh, Mr. Dr. Uva Bull. But, but before I do, let me say, if you're listening right now and you're in the chat room, go ahead, make us a favorite, make us a friend, follow us right where you are. Uh, that helps us out. Go ahead and retweet, even during live shows, points that you hear my guests make or comments. Uh, put us up on Facebook or MySpace or use your favorite social means. Email somebody, phone someone, grab somebody who's near you and say, hey, come on, check this out and listen to this. Do the same, please, after the fact with the archive shows uh, where you're listening live. You can always uh, friend us or make us a favorite. Uh, you can leave com- uh, comments in, at, and, co- and comments uh, right there on the website where they allow you to leave comments. And do so, rate and review the podcast as well from iTunes. All right, so Uva, we're back. Um, yeah. I have a question uh, from the chat room for you, uh, one that is always on my mind as well, and it's it's from Jake Stetler who says, "How are you so? A- how are you able to be so prolific? It seems you're constantly making movies. What is your secret?" Um, I, I think also one of the secrets, of course, is exactly this: what I did in Croatia, like combining movies and and uh, like I shot Postal and Seed back to back with the same crew, with the, with the same equipment. Uh, um, so I basically rented people five weeks longer, and um, it did, I'm, I'm always also a producer, and and I try to make it uh, uh, efficient and uh um to to basically get more movie out of out of the dollar and uh, and i think in this uh, uh with my with my the same crew i made 20 movies with we are very uh, yeah efficient and we can work cheaper as maybe a competitor so th- this is the one thing on the other hand uh with the lower production costs um, and my own world sales company, the, the ball world sales, and we, we will be at AFM next week, for example, selling our own movies, uh, uh, my colleague Michael Rush and I, um, I think this is a thing to uh, uh, to omit middlemen between us and the market. So I think also with uh, uh, we're getting more money out of uh, – uh, out of our uh, uh, out of the movies in every country, ba- basically, because we don't have a sales agency in the middle. We basically are uh, under us, and uh, yeah. So this is the, the thing, you know. So with a, with a movie, what maybe is not so super successful, I still think I get more money out as a competitor. Uh huh. Yeah, uh, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Let me let me ask you this. I think we had this conversation. I know you were in Vancouver at the time, but yeah. by phone uh, a few years. Maybe it was in two thousand eight or two thousand nine. I don't know when it was. Um, but the industry had changed so much, and you, and you were talking about the fact that you know the German financing structure had changed, and that worldwide that you know movies were down in terms of production, and it was a tougher time. And uh, and then you mentioned you know like the tax shelter laws in in the United States that a lot of people don't know about and can't take it or don't know to take advantage of. But um, can you address how the industry has changed or how you, or how uh, maybe people can go about financing nowadays or or are there secrets or something that that uh, that you can share uh, in, in terms of raising money? Now you. I imagine that raising money, no matter how successful you are, is never an easy thing, and it's oftentimes harder for the less well-known director or producer. So uh, maybe you have some insights that you would share uh, for them. Yeah, I think what uh, what I said the last time is still on, that that, uh, theatrical releases are just uh, more and more expensive. 
So this is the reason I almost stepped out out of that business, and I do only small, very small theatrical releases because it's you need to to spend forty million dollars to release a movie wide in America, and uh, uh, I think you you needed like ten years ago ten million to release a movie on on two thousand screens, and people actually went and watched that movies, and and this is a. a uh, a huge. Oh no, my dogs are barking. Wait, I have to let them out. <laughs> uh, and uh, and uh, the the DVD market uh, changed that it shifted more away from the classical rental business to the uh, uh, cheaper sales business in DVD and uh, uh, Netflix uh, and so on. Yeah, and uh, so it's definitely a dent in the DVD revenues. Uh, because of course, like Netflix is for producers not so, let's say, profitable like like a blockbuster deal, for uh-huh. example, right? So because you, you just pay less for the movies, and uh, if, if consumers pay less for the movies to rent them, uh, it is definitely less money in the pocket. On, on the other hand, the online distribution with the Apple, uh, iTunes, and so on, and now also with Netflix and, and other channels, uh, this came up maybe 15 to 20% in the last uh, last year almost. So it, it in a way, uh, it, it, it compensates a little for the, for the lower DVD business. And TV, uh, worldwide, we have still the problem that we have too much uh, everywhere. The superstar movies, like the, the uh, I want to be the top model, I want to be Puff Daddy's, uh, waiter, you know, like we have, we have way too many of that reality TV shows uh, on on prime time television everywhere, and uh-huh. uh, so the slots for TV for movies in in a way are uh, less and less, and uh, this is of course another another problematic situation. Yeah, so uh, on the positive end, you get now more money out of. Uh, um, China, for example, and uh, some European countries uh, where they went in the EU, like Romania, Bulgaria, they all pay in euro now. And uh, these were movies where you got nothing five years ago uh, because the currency was also worthless, basically. And now if you get 10,000 euro out of Romania, it's money. Yeah. Uh, uh, And and, and this is the thing. So it's really like... uh, a tough market where you really you must really turn the dollar on every dollar and uh, on on the other hand uh, with with my experience now in this sector in the sales sector and in what the market is worldwide i think i have an, uh, a little an advantage compared to a film like a poor filmmaker and that's uh-huh. the reason we sell also third party third party movies for example yeah we ha- we have a movie eaters from italy a zombie movie and the guys from italy contacted me and uh, i think it's a very good uh, movie it's like 20 28 days later style and uh, i i told this guys look i i like the movie i will sell it for you and and, and i sold for this guys the movie already in like 25 countries so they are very happy and and uh I see myself. I can I can help uh, third party producers or third party directors if I help selling the movies. I don't have the money to co-produce other people' uh, movies. So this this times are, are t- too tough for it. But I can help selling uh, the other movies. 
Wow, that's that's cool. Well, let me let me ask you this: um, uh, uh, an article that I've reprinted to you know our business blog at Rexx uh, Movie Beat is uh, the director's blame filmmaking crisis on the internet. Neil Jordan, who directed uh, Crying Game, says you know that there's a real crisis in filmmaking right now, and that's evidenced to him by the fact that every director he knows, or almost every director he knows, he says is unemployed. Um, you know that, yeah. that there's a tough time. Is, is that in the? Do you do you see the internet the same way? I mean, the the fact that there's uh, he. What part of the article is is that there's competing interests? You know, I mean, people have changed their viewing habits and their going out habits and things like that. And it's not kind. It's not the same world it was, uh, say, five or even yeah. ten years ago. No, t- totally. And and. Uh, for example, my Max Schmeling movie, my boxing movie, what I what I shot about the, the legendary uh-huh. Max Schmeling who who won against Joe Louis and then he lost against uh, uh, Joe Louis uh, uh-huh. uh, in in the Second World War. I think it it, it is a very very good movie, and uh, at at the same time we had like in Germany a big theatrical release with it, 800 people in the premiere in Berlin and uh, like standing ovations and people really really liked it, and then uh, it. In, in, in the box office, it made nothing, and I think this is what you said with the uh, uh, the, the situation. Like, like the people that go to the movies are not the people anymore. They maybe went to the movies fifteen, twenty years ago. I think there is a generation they just uh, turned into uh, couch potatoes, and they they maximum watch movies per video on demand or uh, video like they go sometimes in a video store a lot of times they just watch only TV and and uh, this generation would love to watch a movie like Max Schmeling period piece second world right. war real story but they are not going in, into the movies anymore so I'm sure this movie will have in TV where we were lucky because we have a very good German TV deal on it but but uh, I think there will be like millions and millions will watch that prime time in TV but nobody uh, only a few thousand people came out to to buy a ticket and th- this is the thing what when you said Neil John crying game and so on I'm I'm sure like the that this movie is unknown for most of the people that go to the movies today Yes, they just don't oh, know right. what that movie was, and and they don't know who Neil Jordan is, and and uh, and and this is this is of course a problem that that Hollywood, uh, the big Hollywood movies are basically mostly remakes of franchises and and um, made by some directors you never heard about, and uh, um, because they they the director has there are a few directors like David Fincher. Uh, Christopher Nolan, whatever, they're still very strong in business, but there are only a few. And you have tons of very good independent directors. They uh, made great movies and they got Oscars and uh, the Palm in Cannes and the Berlin Bear and everything, but nobody really cares anymore. So that's because the producers of the studios, they think that they gain nothing. Uh, There is no gain in hiring a guy like this. To make uh, uh, Transformers, <laughs> yeah, so they, then they go on with the, uh, with Michael Bay, who is of course also a star director. But uh, or if they if they establish a new franchise, they they use a lot of times young, unknown directors. Yeah. Right. So I I think for example it's like kind of amazing like what Robert Schwenke's career is, you know, because I I know Robert Schwenke a, a lot. He did the Astronaut's Wife, for example. And he did uh, uh, the Judy Foster movie before with the airplane. 
What was that again? Oh, Where her geez. daughter gets kidnapped in the airplane. Oh, I don't know. Flight I don't plan. Think no, flight huh? plan, right? Oh, flight yeah, plan. Right. Yeah. So, and for example, he was never successful in Germany. And then he got a good agent in Hollywood. They pitched him as a new whatever Wolfgang Peterson. And now he makes one movie after the other. He made Red with Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh -huh. So they hire him on one movie after the other. And to be honest, all that movies are maximum mediocre. I hated the astronauts. Why? <laughs> I think Flight Plan was uh, a good like setup, but but in total. Uh, in a way absurd because how can you not find your daughter in an airplane like it's just too small uh, to have a 100 minute movie about it and, and and you know and this is the stuff like but but there are some people they're getting hyped up they have a lobby then and then they are like it's a trend to to hire them for everything and they make like five major movies in a row uh, and other people uh, getting they forget the other people they don't give them another chance Oh uh, yeah, it, it, the the politics, you know, are are incredible. Okay, let me ask you this because it's just some some of the stuff in the chat room, you know, was you know, uh, a vampire mobs. You know, he was wondering whether a small theatrical release was even worth doing it at all. And then FX guy points out that some film festivals nowadays won't even take a movie if it hasn't had a theatrical release, and and then made the comment that he believe maybe you understood that Netflix is becoming the future of home entertainment with their watch it now feature uh for Netflix. Uh any any comments on any of the, on, uh, those particular things and then I'm going to I'm going to throw out the last question uh just because I want to make sure that I ask it and uh, you don't have to answer in any particular order but it's not our last question but um um it is uh Sandy asks, is the opening for Blood Rain 3 on November 5th open to the public or by invitation only? No, this is uh, the November 5th is the AFM screening in Los Angeles, and this is only for uh, buyers or journalists. So uh, if one or two fans pop in, I will be in front of the theater on Broadway in, in Santa Monica, uh, and I let, of course, a few people in if they want to come there, uh, but I cannot open it for the public uh, <laughs> because then the buyers who should buy the movie uh, are not getting seats. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so uh, this movie will come out next year, then, and, and I think it will be uh, what the first two parts were like uh, a, a universal DVD direct to DVD release I hope with Bluebarella we may be getting a theatrical release because uh, it's so strange and so different that uh, uh, maybe it has a chance uh, in the in the theaters and I think with Blood Rain we drive better now with um, with the direct to DVD releases but with the festivals I uh, in a way disagree because of course, if you have a theatrical release, you get more follow-up invitations. But the high-end film festivals, they normally really want your movie before it is released anywhere. Otherwise, they don't play it. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you go to the Alamo Fest in Austin or uh, uh, like New York Independent Film Festival, they, 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 they will only take movies that were not released at all so far because they want the world premiere or the North American premiere and so on. So... Uh, but of course, they're looking out for for more theatrical movies, yeah, and um, and they don't want uh, the hundred thousand digital shot independent mini movie. They're always looking for movies with cast and uh, where they where they attract an audience for also. 
uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, there's a question that scrolled by. I'm trying to recall uh, what it was, but in the meantime, uh, let me ask you. You know, just just a current question. Uh, you're you're going to be attending AFM, and you're in Vancouver. You're doing posts on Auschwitz and. Uh, and are you planning on shooting any in Vancouver in the meantime, uh, coming up, or will you be returning to Germany, or or where? Uh, yeah, I, so you are the first who who gets the news. Basically, we will do uh, in the name of the King two in Vancouver with Rolf wow. Lundgren. Wow! And and uh, it's uh, uh, I think a very a good second second part, a very good second story. Uh, and um, um, because we, we will just uh, start the movies as the title is In the Name of the King, A New World. And uh, um, the, the situation is that the, the movie st- uh, plays now, like with temporary, right now, big city. And we have um, Dolph Lundgren basically being a cop or uh, like a, a fighting coordinator working as this. And then one night he gets attacked from ninjas in his house and felt with the ninjas into a vortex back in time. So and then it turns out it's like 50 years after the first part of his name of the king ended and uh, uh, app is destroyed and everybody is dead also like Jason Statham uh, uh, and everybody who was in the first part is is got wiped out and he is now um, they they say he was basically sent into the future. He's the son of Jason Statham, and he was sent into the future, growed up in the future as an orphanage, uh, because the parents felt that they will all die. So he is basically the last survivor of the Kingdom of Ab, and he should bring the kingdom back back on uh, in charge. Uh, but the, the good thing in that script, what I really like, uh, it's from from Michael Natchoff written here, um, that. He 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 gives a shit about it. <laughs> so he he basically he says like, no, you are all like retards, and I want to go back where I'm coming from. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot in that movie. What I think it's uh, just hilarious. Like when he has the first sword fight against like an evil uh, like animal or whatever, and he starts bleeding on his arm, and and he. Uh, he really like to ever like I need alcohol. I have to disinfect it, and everybody looks at him only like. What are you talking about? What is alcohol? So, and and uh, I think this is the, the, the good thing in that in that movie is that we play with a temporary character in the fantasy world, and that he talks like we talk now. And and uh, I think with with Dolph Lundgren, who who is actually a very intelligent person, uh, uh, and and uh, he has bone dry humor. Uh, what a little in Expendables came a little across from it, but but I think he uh, he is a little undervalued as an as an actor, and I think he's a real good action actor. He has a black belt in karate and everything, but he's also uh, um, actually a chemical uh, engineer. Uh, what he studied before he started before he got hired to do Rocky Three, and um, so I think. Uh, it will be great to shoot that movie with him, and uh, we will all have a lot of fun doing it and, and playing this kind of uh, temporary fantasy movie um, with with a lot of humor and a lot of action. Oh, very cool. When do you go into production? Uh, we are in pre-production already, and uh, we will shoot beginning of the year directly. So we will have like very gritty weather, uh, 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 snow and, and rainstorms and so on, but it's actually good uh, good for the movie. 
Uh, absolutely. Now, uh, I'm going to tell you something uh, about my show, and then it's something that came up in the chat room, too. Uh, Dolph and I had kind of entered into talks about doing the show a while back, so when you see him, you got to tell him to come and do Rex Sykes Movie Beat, because now we've totally. got people in the chat room saying, hey, you know, can you get Dolph on the show in the spring? <laughs> And uh, yeah. but it did, it didn't work out in the past. So when you see him say, "Hey, you know, come do Rex's show," you'll like it. And, yeah, uh, I will get his uh, email address uh, and then uh, makes a uh, uh, yeah, introduction. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, fantastic! Because yeah, because uh, it's been a while since he and he and uh, whoever it was, his his publicist or whatever, and I chatted. Um, they uh, someone says they really liked uh, in the name of the king and got good guy starring role for Michael Parry in this in uh, in the sequel or do, I guess the question is is do you have a good guy starring role for Michael Parry in the in the sequel? <laughs> uh, he actually passed on the first part, right? So he he was supposed to play one of uh, um, the. Uh, uh, one of the generals, and uh, he passed at this point. Uh, what he regret later. So the good thing is, I could bring him in for uh, for the second part, but I have to find uh, the right, uh, uh, um, yeah, the right part. And I have uh, a problem because we shoot Canadian content. What means the second highest paid actor must be Canadian. Right. So I cannot give him then uh, the 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 second biggest part. I have to give him the third part or the f- part number four or five. I I hope he uh, 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 I hope he wants to do it still. So uh, we <laughs> we just started prep and and only Dolph is hired. So and uh, I I think uh, I will meet him next week in L.A. and uh, then we go from there. Well, fantastic. Now, here you, you raise an interesting point, something that I've been talking about for at least 20 years, but uh, not on the show, obviously. The show's, you know, almost two years old. But uh, And Kevin Sorbo, who's been my guest a number of times, has also pointed this out. And that is the United States it, it has really open borders, I mean, in, in terms of uh, performing. We, most of our TV stars on TV today are English or Australian or Irish or Scottish. They're they're not necessarily American actors. Um, we have forever gone to you know in, in the last 20 years or so gone to Vancouver or to Toronto to make movies. But the Canadians have caps. They say how many Americans can be or how many Canadians need to be in 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 you know like what you just articulated. Yeah. Uh, the second lead has to be, you know, the second highest paid has to be a Canadian. Um, we don't have anything like that. Uh, I don't know about Germany or, you know, or some of the other places, but, you know, it has it has harmed us as actors and even crew people because we can't go into Vancouver uh, with the ease at which, you know, the Canadians can come in here. And if, I mean, all you have to do is look at how many Canadians are successful TV personalities, uh, you know, whether it was Michael J. Fox or, uh, you know, um, right now. His name just but, you know, I, land and and so just on. Everybody, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah. do you have? Yeah, but but uh, you know you can go back and forth from Germany and 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 I mean I could come up and produce a movie you know or something in 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 Vancouver. But do you have any thoughts about that? I mean whether it's it's a good thing and not so good thing. It makes it tough, but it's doable or you know. Yeah, I, I of course because you get here the labor tax rebates and everything uh, on on Canadian uh, actors uh, that should be from my perspective enough uh, like uh, yeah enough regulations because if I hire a Canadian actor I get thirty eight percent 
back from his fee from the government right now as the labor tax rebate. So, And I think if I would decide I don't want the 38% back because I want this American actor in the movie, then this should be allowed from my perspective. Uh-huh. You know, uh, but they don't do it this way. <laughs> they force you in a point system where you have to fulfill, you have to hire X people from the from like the production designer or the composer or the editor. Uh, so you need to hire Canadians to get the points enough points to qualify for the labor tax rebate. And uh, <clears throat> this is of course. Uh, uh, for me, I'm not so happy with it because I work with a German camera uh, person for all my movies, Matthias Neumann, and uh, and I work with the Dutch uh, composer Jessica De Roy. So I have this too. I I definitely want on every movie I do, and this blocks me totally in all the other positions, including the actors, because I don't get enough points then if I don't hire enough Canadian actors or uh, uh, the other positions. Yeah. So, and and I think as a as a producer, I, sh- I should have the the freedom to decide what I want, and I just get the the labor tax back on every Canadian and the other people I bring in, and uh, I don't get the labor tax back. But what I said, like they have that point system, and then you, I would not get any tax back, or I go down from thirty eight percent to twenty two percent if I shoot non Canadian content. So then then I get, I can hire tons of Americans, but I get for even the Canadians, I even get only 22%. And this, you can imagine, is massive. 16% difference is just too much to go over it. So I, I have to do Canadian content to make the financing work. So, so in that way, the Canadians are very clever in, uh, in getting their crews hired. And, uh, and, and and not getting any anybody in, you know. And uh, I have to say, in the beginning, like now I'm I'm landed immigrant here, but uh, in the first few years where I made movies here, uh, every single time I came in, I had to go to Seattle to get my working per- uh, permission, and they always interviewed me, and uh, wow. the Canadian uh, consulate, you know, and and said like, why are you shooting Canada? Why is not a Canadian director doing the movie? <laughs> questions like this and wow. I said yeah because I bring all the money with me yeah I said, <laughs> yeah, I, I said like are, are you guys like you have a problem or what like it's totally absurd you know like I made like 10 movies I brought a lot of money into that country from German investors and then I, every single time I got that interview why I'm the director why I make the movie here like they should be happy that I come and make <laughs> the, uh, the movies here so uh, and, and this is kind of uh, uh, yeah, uh, it wa- this was a little annoying a, lo- a lot of times, but uh, I I live with it. But you're right, America, uh, USA is way more open uh, for like everybody can come in and uh, and get the paychecks, basically. Well, well, it creates an interesting dilemma because you know a lot of actors or, or crew can't go into Canada because of the caps that they have, you know, or the requirements for Canadian actors, and then. In, a, in the United States, a lot of those roles that American actors would qualify for are yeah. now, you know, British, uh, Australian, Irish actors portraying an American. So it it, it creates an interesting uh, work dilemma for a lot of people. Uh, so Sandy in the chat room asks, what would happen if you made your movies in America? Uh, then if, if I would 
get in like in america it's tough to get subsidies in this way what canada has so i had to go to louisiana or detroit to get a similar a similar rebate yeah and uh, then of course uh, i could do it and uh, but i it was basically in a way luck for vancouver that uh, my first movie what i did with region entertainment i was in la it, and they said we do it in Vancouver, 1999 uh, sanctimony. And so it was like I didn't came to, to Vancouver on my own. It was an L.A. company who set me up in Vancouver with my first yeah. movie. And then I like making movies here. I like living here. And uh, uh, so uh, from this point of view, uh, I and Sean Williamson, we made all the movies together uh, with Bright Like Pictures. And uh, so it is kind of, yeah. <laughs> like a marriage between his company and my company. So for me now, it, it would be it would be a, 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 the only way I go to Detroit is, for example, if I if I know I get a better deal there, I get more money. Yeah. So yeah. as long as it's only similar, uh, I I would not go away from uh, from here. But I actually would love to 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 work somewhere else at one point. So and uh, uh, but a lot of times the co-producing. Uh, opportunities where American producers come to me and they say, look, we have that script, uh, we can have X amount of dollars we bring in, X amount of dollars you bring in, and but it never really happened so far. So uh-huh. uh, I was like five times close to shoot in Utah, to uh, one time shoot in Louisiana, but but it never it never happened because the other side uh, a lot of times didn't get the money together for the right. Yeah. Well, let me. Yeah, we're, if you don't mind, I you know you had a rough, you know, a tough night up with the the youngster and stuff. And uh, we've we've got just a few minutes left, but we might go maybe about five minutes long if you don't mind answering this next question or so. And that is is that um, well, for example, Wisconsin had film incentives. We had a boom in uh, 2008 of about 25 productions. In 2009, our governor took got rid of them. And uh, we had one production, essentially two two productions come in. In 2010, we had uh, two days worth of Transformers Three, uh, where you know Michigan and and Illinois got the lion's share of a 400 million dollar movie. I think we got two days and you know million dollar investment in our communities. Um, can you argue for you know? Because one of the things that our governor said, I mean, and and it disingenuously said, said, well, you know, this is all about rich Hollywood getting fat off the you know the taxpayers and the people who are anti incentives think that you know somehow uh, people are pocketing this money or that Johnny Depp when he came in that you know he's he's somehow benefiting by this and he certainly doesn't need to. Um, but what is the argument for why why do filmmakers need incentives and uh, you, you know, I understand it. I mean, you know, we incentivize all forms of business, and we give discount coupons, you know, for people to buy in the in the in the marketplace, and and, we, and car dealerships say, you know, so so much off if you buy now. So I mean, it's not a foreign concept to um, to you know to incentivize a production, but a lot of people don't understand it. What is the argument? For, what why do you need it? What's the argument for incentives uh, in terms of, of going somewhere and making movies? Is particularly nowadays, I guess. Yeah, I know, but but uh, let's face it, it is a competition, and as a producer, you always look for the best deal. And if you have countries with subsidies, and uh, then you try to use it. And and if, if of course if nobody would give any incentives, 
this would be fair and the market would regulate everything. And like, how good are your crews? How good are your actors? How good is, uh, for example, did you have great locations in, in the state you live in? I, I think this would be more in the foreground then if there would be no subsidies. But what they what they did in a lot of uh, states and countries is they came up with uh, yeah they tried to have an advantage to get film industry going and they do sometimes like for example Detroit I think is doing like absurd uh, uh, um, uh, like subsidies you know like when you shoot in Detroit you get even twenty percent back from the actor you pay in L A. And, well, I, and I think from this point of view, I totally understand the governor, uh, 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 like uh, in other states, uh, Wisconsin and so on, uh, Michigan, where, where they all say, uh, why we should do that? We don't want to spend taxpayers' money to make Hollywood people richer. And uh, I totally understand this. So I think the Detroit subsidies, for example, are really there to, to activate that town. You know, like uh, because of the of the uh, of the air of the car uh, manufacturers, they they wanted to do something else. What gives a little hope there? And uh, I think they will lose tons and tons of money with this stuff. Yeah, because everybody who works in Detroit comes in with crews from L.A. and they all get subsidized with taxpayer monies. And 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 I think this is completely crazy. So uh, um, <clears throat> I'm always not a big fan of. Uh, uh, subsidies in general, and I'm not a big fan of bailouts, and so I think the market should regulate uh, everything. But what you want to do, like as a producer, you you don't say no if you get free money, right? So uh, so it it must be a political decision all across, like for example, North America, including Canada, to say we just stop it, and then uh, I'm still sh I'm sure they will still make. Uh, 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 they will still make that that uh, uh, that movies, you know. It will it will be not like oh now we don't produce anymore because we don't get labor tax. I I still think they will they will make that uh, 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 they will still make that uh, movies then, uh, but everybody under the same uh, conditions, and uh, it would help also a lot of looks of movies if uh, some like because let's face it like Vancouver is in every second movie you see. Like right now, here are 40 right. movies in product, like 40 movies and TV shows are in production in Vancouver. So you go right. through the city, you have like film crews all over the city, and I think the audience is tired to see it. You know, it's like they, they would love to see other cities. And, uh, uh, <clears throat> but it's not happening because other cities, they, they, they don't have the opportunity to subsidize uh, the product, yeah? So from this point of view, I understand your your governor, uh, but as a film like you, as an actor and a producer and this kind of stuff, of course, if you are in a state where are no subsidies, it's tough to stay in business at all. It is very tough, absolutely. So, so um, you know, uh, let me ask this: is um, you know, that used to be L.A. I mean, you know, when I lived in L.A., I moved from L.A., but uh, that used to be L.A. You would drive all over the city, and you would see film crews everywhere and TV crews and stuff. And, and you know, they'd be 35 miles out to beat the union, uh, you know, requirements and all sorts of stuff. But, I mean, so the, the entire area, you know, at one time was busy and thriving. It no longer is. It's it's almost a ghost town, well, as is Wisconsin. But Wisconsin has always been a ghost town, with the exception <laughs> of the year that we had incentives. So, I mean, so, but... But do you think that the difference 
is is that it's federal? I mean, Canadian. I mean, it, it's not it's not bound by the territories, is it? Isn't it a, a, a government? It's a, like a federal government uh, uh, support of filmmaking in Canada, like yeah, the British it's a, it's a, television. Yeah, you. But you get everywhere like a, a, an additional tax. Uh, for example, the the government would give you, I think, thirteen or fifteen percent uh, uh, tax rebates in Canada in general. But like BC, British Columbia, or uh, uh, Ontario have additional tax credits or Manitoba. And what makes it then 38% in, in, uh-huh. in Winnipeg, almost 45% labor tax to get productions going there. And other states in Canada, like Alberta, they don't have it. So if you shoot in Alberta uh, or Yukon or so, you, you get only your, your 13%. Yeah. So this reason that there's way less film industry, of course, there. So uh, another question regarding this, and that is, is that there has been some, there have been some people who expressed a fear or a concern that if the U.S. government supported the arts or supported filmmaking, that they would control the content. And while that may be a U.S.-specific issue, if you look at the BBC, if you look at Canada, if you look at Australia, if you look at the different countries that already support the arts and support filmmaking, have you ever encountered, uh, or Jeremy, I mean, did you encounter anyone saying you can't make that movie or or you have to put in pro-government content in order to have this done? Um, no, but uh, if you shoot Canadian content and you want to, you need a Canadian distributor attached to the movie, then sometimes uh, you would face a problem. Like with Seed, for example, I don't think, I, uh, and it was not Canadian content, Seed, I think the content would be too hard, and they would they would try to censor it in a way, and I I of course hate this yeah as a genre filmmaker I don't want that this is now the labor tax or whatever is depending on an R rating for example yeah so uh, and um, I know that in in BC they actually tried. To get way more influential into the uh, uh, into the content discussion, and that they have almost like a jury there uh, telling you before if you get the subsidies or not. But this got cancelled. This they, they they couldn't they didn't want this because the film industry, also the Hollywood lobbyists, were just uh, like flipping out on it. And <clears throat> I'm happy that this didn't came true. Awesome. Um, yeah, I have a, a completely different question, and then we're going to have to wrap it up because I know that you you need to, <laughs> you need to get some rest here. But yeah. uh, uh, the one question was from the chat room was, you know, as controversial as you are, and with as much criticism as you have uh, garnered over the years, have you ever considered of of using like an Alan Smithy credit? Uh, have you ever considered doing an, an, a movie anonymously, and then only after the fact revealing that it's an Uva Bull film just to see? Uh, if there's any uh, difference in in its recep- in how it's received, uh, we discussed that various times. And uh, but in times like today, with Twitter, with Facebook, with everybody uh-huh. having a cell phone on set, with with a photo camera, I think um, the backlash would be bigger. Because what will happen is I I'm Mr. X basically, right? And then it would leak out, and then half of the people would say, uh, see. Uwe doesn't even it's not even using his real name anymore so bad he is blah 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 so it would totally turn against me yeah and uh, he tries to cheat the audience in hiding um. himself so I, I don't think it would pay, it would pay off 
of course, if you could, like 30 years ago, without like cell phones and so on, right. you could lock up the set, and and then it would actually be a very interesting experience, yeah. Because I think movies like The Four or Rampage are really, really good movies, and and uh, I get so much feedback for this movie. And The Four, by the way, is now in, in US. The title is Attack on The Four, and it's out on DVD right now. I think this today or tomorrow it comes out on DVD. Oh, cool, and, cool. Uh, yeah, and I think this, this movie's from the people they saw them, they say, like, these are, like, amazing movies. And and uh, Dafur, I have tons of emails where people say, we like them more as Hurt Locker. And it got the Oscar, yeah, the Hurt Locker. Oh. So the, the things, but, of course, it gets prejudged by, right. uh, because it's my movie, it it, it cannot be great. It, it, it's a maximum, is it's mediocre or it's, it's halfway okay. This is then what some people write in the internet. But it's not true. I think especially Rampage and Dafur are both great and and at the same time very important movies and uh, so i i still fight for changing the opinion uh, of the people with the product i'm i'm doing well and more power to you and uh, and uh, you know i hope that indeed you do you are you know you're a stand up guy you know you put it all out there and uh, you know people either uh, love it or they hate it and and you're controversial in that regard but you continue doing what you love uh, you are prolific in it uh, i certainly enjoy uh, many, if not most, of all of your movies. I haven't seen all of them, but the ones that I've seen, I've always enjoyed. Uh, and and someone in the ch- FX guy, Bill, says uh, Rampage is awesome, better than Falling Down. And you know, you get you get uh, uh, um, you know kudos from the chat room, and uh, they love you. Oh, and and they love seeing you box the critics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's actually a documentary about this. The title is Raging Ball. And it was shown last week, I think the first time uh, at the Austin Film Festival. And um, so I, I hope that uh, Raging Boy will get out on DVD at one point also. It's interesting. All right. Well, hey, Uwe, this has been fantastic. I will have you back. You know, obviously, I, I love having you okay, as a guest. Good. We'll have you back. We'll let the listeners know when that's going to be. And uh, and thanks so much. Get some rest. Enjoy enjoy the time with the, the family. And, uh, and thanks so much for being here. No problem. Okay. All right. Okay. Enjoy your Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Mr. Uwe Bull, uh, the wonderful, fabulous time that we've had here, and uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone in the chat room today, as I always do, but thanks for being here. Again, if you haven't made us a friend or a favorite, please do that now and leave comments about the show in the comment section right there, live or archived. And go ahead and tweet us, retweet us, post us on Facebook right now, right now while it's hot. Strike while the iron is hot, you know. Uh, And go ahead and email and phone these around. And while I'm gone, while I'm on my uh, producing venture, uh, please go ahead and listen to all the past shows you haven't heard. And tweet about them when you listen to it. That will keep the the momentum going. And then we'll try and do shows on the weekends, uh, you know, in the meantime, when I have some free time. Uh, you know, we'll try and get a show in there, and uh, uh, occasionally, if not every week, and we'll see what we can do. Uh, but stay tuned. Don't don't give up. You know, we're coming back. You know, and after the first of the year, we'll resume another uh, schedule, maybe different again from the one that we have. But uh, I sure enjoy being able to provide these interviews and talk with guests like Uva and, and all of my guests. They're, they're fabulous, and they do. They give away the farm. They share so much with you. So, so keep it alive. 
uh, in my absence, you know, if you listen to a podcast, go back and listen to all 200 of them, and you listen to it, go ahead and put it out on Twitter. I just I just listened to Rex Sykes talks to Susan Moses. I just listened to Rex Sykes talk to Kevin Servo. I just listened to Rex Sykes talks to John Gaspard, or or any of the uh, or to Colin Ferguson, or any of the number of. Scott Rosenfeld, uh, all of the different producers, directors, script supervisors, cinematographers, uh, you know, that, that are there. And I sure appreciate your support and uh, your emails and your comments and uh, joining us in the chat room. And, uh, and we'll meet again soon. So, everybody, thank you. And um, I want to wish you a fabulous day and tell you to complete all of your projects and make your movies. And until we meet the next time... That's a wrap.